listening to the Retail Razor Show, where your expert hosts and their guests cast through the clutter in retail and retail tech to shape the future of retail. Hello and welcome to the Retail Razor Show. I'm your host, Ricardo Belmar. And I'm your co-host, Casey Golden. Welcome to retail's favorite podcast for product junkies, commerce technologists, and everyone else in retail and retail tech alike. Well, Casey, as promised last episode, we are back with the second recording made live and in person at Grocery Shop with our special guest host, Jeff Roster, host of This Week in Innovation podcast. And this is truly a special one, isn't it? It is, yes. It's a little bit of a mini Retail Avengers reunion, in fact, because we had Shish Shridhar, Global Retail Lead at Microsoft for Startups, on the mic with us to talk about trends at the show. And yes, of course, it's another vote for all the big trends of AI, specifically Gen AI use cases that were everywhere uh, at Grocery Shop, and what was happening with the startup scene, uh, plus what future tech disruption uh, we think may soon be coming to the industry. This is such a fascinating discussion. I almost don't want to give anything away about it, and we should just let our listeners get on with it without any more interruption, but thoughts? Yeah, I think that is a great idea, but maybe before we do that, we dive into something completely different and take a few moments to enjoy another Blade to Greatness episode. It's time for one of our newest segments on the show, Blade to Greatness, where we hear from a retail industry leader who shares their insights and wisdom on how to excel in this dynamic and competitive field. In this segment, we learn about the essential skills and qualities that every retail executive needs to have to lead their teams and their businesses to success. Whether we're talking about the corporate office or stores, we'll uncover valuable tips and advice that you can apply to your own retail career path. We'll speak with Jeffrey P. McNulty, founder and CEO of The Retail Ethos, creator of The Ultimate Retail Course, and author of The Ultimate Retail Manual. We'll learn from his 30 years of hands-on industry experience as the executive leader for The Home Depot, Lowe's, Barnes & Noble, PetSmart, ShopCo, Toys R Us, Publix, and Festival Foods, plus 18 years of experience as a retail research analyst, having conducted over a thousand consultations with clients on Wall Street, hedge fund managers, equity investment partners, retailers, and entrepreneurs in the retail sector. Jeffrey has a myriad of experience and knowledge, wisdom when it comes to retail leadership. And today he's here to talk with us about one of the most important skills every retail leader needs to master, how to foster an environment of entrepreneurship. Let's listen to what he has to share with us. Welcome, Jeffrey. Thank you for having me on the show. It's an honor to be on the Retail Razor Show, and I'm, I'm really honored to be here. So yeah, foster an entrepreneurship. I'm very passionate about that. As anybody that follows me on LinkedIn knows, I talk about this probably about once a month. There's a quiet trend going on around called quiet quitting, and there's a pun intended in there. This is when an employer leader consciously decides to start putting in the bare minimum work effort or silently checks out from putting forth their best results. This trend is accelerating throughout all industries because many employees and leaders are feeling burned out and stressed out. World-class organizations create an inclusive environment where entrepreneurship, creativity, and autonomy can thrive and flourish. Entrepreneurs are exactly like entrepreneurs without any of the risk. Entrepreneurs can safely work within an organizational structure while creating innovative ideas and solutions that elevate the brand. Imagine having an army of entrepreneurs within your organization that are excited and motivated to become seminal trailblazers. I created an acronym called GAP 
which stands for Growth, Autonomy, and Purpose, to provide a blueprint to my retail and business clients on how to ramp up their efforts to actively embrace entrepreneurship. Here are a few of the basic principles for executing my gap strategy. Under the growth, we have succession planning. This is where it all starts. This, this is the meat and potatoes of the entire strategy. Are you strategically mapping out each employee and leader's future within your organization? You got to have a plan for each employee and leader's future within your organization. And you don't have to do that just at times when it's the performance appraisal, because some performance appraisals are only yearly. So you have to do next is daily check-ins with your employees and leaders. A lot of times leaders will check in with their employees, but not with their leaders. In some organizations, the leader is, is kind of like off to the side. They're an afterthought because we're paying you. You have more responsibility. You get bonuses, stock options, et cetera. But you got to remember employees and leaders both need check-ins. And here's the question. Are your leaders consistently performing this behavior, which helps build and strengthen employee bonds? There's nothing more important that you can do as a leader than to strengthen employee bonds by doing the daily check-ins. Next, you have providing challenge and work. Are you challenging each employee to engage in meaningful and fulfilling work? Do your employees feel connected to your organization? Next is competitive wages and benefits. This, this is huge right now because I'm, I'm happy to see a lot of retailers and businesses raising up their minimum wages and starting to be more competitive to reward the employees that are going to work are you respecting and rewarding each employee's value and efforts to your company? And here's the key. Are you leading from the front or are you leading from the back of the bus? You're either a leader or you're following. There, there's no in between. Next, we have the A stands for autonomy. Flexible scheduling options. Are you providing scheduling options that are flexible with your employees? Are you implementing a mild hybrid remote working option? Think about when leaders are writing performance appraisals, Employees are committing or completing e-learning modules. Employees and leaders are preparing for an event or a presentation, conference calls, Zoom meetings, etc. One of the hardest things I found as a leader working in retail for all those years was having quiet time to actually prepare for succession planning for my employees, my leaders, writing appraisals, because as a leader, you're going to get interrupted five, six, seven times in an hour easily. And let's just say you're writing a performance appraisal. And you're, you're, you got a train of thought that's going. And next thing you know, they say, hey, Jeff, we got an a customer issue up here. We need you up here. There goes your train of thought. You got to come back and start all over again. It's not fair to the employees. It's not fair to the leaders. Next, you have empowerment. This is where you can build an army of entrepreneurs throughout your company. Do your employees and leaders feel that they can attempt new things? And can they wade into uncharted waters to elevate your brand? This is paramount. Do employees actually feel that they can attempt new things? You, you talk to a lot of retail leaders and you talk to a lot of business leaders and they say, yeah, we're, we're all for that. We're pushing for the entrepreneurship. But you talk to the employees and they're like, I, I, was, I was starting out on something that was very creative. I made one minor mistake and, I, and, and, and I, was, I felt really like I was being insulted and put down and I didn't feel like that I wanted to do this anymore. So you ruin the employee's confidence right after that. There's going to be some mistakes and some growing pains. You can't make the same mistake five times, obviously. Next, you have trust and respect. Do you trust your employees to make the right decisions or do you punish them for their errors? We just talked about that. Employees need to feel that they can make decisions, autonomous decisions, of course, within the structure and organization and protocols of the company. And then if they do make those errors, you're not going to drop a load of bricks on them. And then finally, in this segment, you have inclusion and support. Do you, all of your employees feel included and supported to maximize their innate talents and gifts? Do your store leaders actively embrace each individual 
and place them in positions to succeed. That's really the key when you're getting to know their employees. You find out their passions, you find out what they like to do, and then you place them in positions where they're going to have maximum success because it's something they innately want to do and they're good at. And then under the P for purpose, we have foster entrepreneurship, which we've already talked about. And the key here is, are your employees allowed to express their creativity? Do you seek their input or ideas on how to improve the brand? That's, that's key. You can always tell, I could always tell if a leader was really involved in this. When they were having meetings, they would seek opinions and ideas on things. And even, even if ideas came up that weren't congruent with what they were thinking, they remained and had an open mind and were approachable for those ideas and expressions. Tap into employee leader and intrinsic motivation. We talked about that. That's important. We could have an entire show on just that one segment. Next, you have in community involvement. This one's a little, this is a slippery slope for a lot of organizations. Are you actively engaging and supporting your local communities? And this is key here. Many employees become detached from a brand if leaders are being disingenuous about their commitment to serve in their local communities. And finally, you have volunteering. Do you support employees' volunteering efforts? Or is it merely lip service? So one of my favorite silver linings from the pandemic was a, a resurgence of appreciation for frontline workers. We must remember, I always, I always preach this from the rooftops, that all four segments are important. Customers, employees, leaders, and vendors. A lot of businesses and brands, they think about the customer and the employees, but they leave out the leaders and the vendors. And all four segments have a symbiotic relationship and will determine the failure or success of each organization. The great resignation is the, the big brother of quiet quitting. And far too many retailers and businesses took their frontline employee workers for granted and overworked their salaried leaders. Our society is in the middle of the pendulum effect where energy has to be rebalanced now. And the pendulum slash energy will eventually fall back into perfect balance, which I call homeostasis. I recently, I recently posted about how I implemented a four-day work week with full-time employees at Home Depot in 2001. And that was... 22 years ago. And the question I would have is, why hasn't this inclusive and rewarding trend caught on yet? So I applaud Lowe's for recently offering this scheduling option, but it's something that you do. And retailers can do this. When I first thought about doing a remote working option for employees in the retail, I thought, it doesn't sound like that's going to work. You need employees on the floor. They need to pack out the freight. They need to ring the registers. But then I thought, out, yeah, but you could do a mild hybrid version of it for writing reviews and doing stuff like that. There is a way to, I, I discuss this more in the book and then in the online courses. And then as an added bonus for, for all the listeners of the Retail Razor Show, I'm offering a $100 off discount to all listeners for the Ultimate Retail Course. All you have to do is enter Retail Rockstar 100 off at checkout. Go to the theultimateretailcourse.com and for any of my consulting services at New Retail Ethos, you can go to newretailethos.com. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you for that, Jeffrey. That's amazing. So one of the things that strikes me from what you described is I, I think a key component to this is that your employees have to feel that not only do they, are, are, is their creativity welcomed, but I, I think there has to be a, a lack of fear of failure. And, and I, I would imagine that maybe that is perhaps the, the toughest part for the retail leaders you work with to accept that they, they may not be used to the idea that it's okay if, if you, you let your employees be creative, you let them take something on, but maybe it doesn't work. But to your point, it, it, there's a difference between, okay, you try and it didn't work out, then you try something else versus I keep trying it five, six, seven times and keep failing. Yeah, that's, that's a great point you bring up, Ricardo. One of the things that I wanted to do as a leader, first and foremost, I, I generally love people. As you know, I, I love to engage with people on LinkedIn and I love to get to know people and learn about them. That came from my working in retail for all those decades. 
But I fostered an environment where I, I allowed people to, to not view it as a mistake, to view it as a lesson. It's only a mistake. I, I used to preach this. In fact, I had some buttons made up one time that said, it's only a mistake if you don't learn the lesson. And that was to send a message to every employee and every leader in the stores and district that, you know what, we're all going to make mistakes. But the key is it's only a mistake if you don't learn the lesson. And that's really the key to make sure that people feel that, that support and that comfortability with you, that as a leader, you know, the, the, one of the hardest things for me to understand and realize is as when I was a store leader of 400 employees in a store doing like $70 million a year is that you cast a very large shadow and everything you do is being watched by employees and leaders. And you almost feel like a, like a celebrity, not for me, the celebrity part being the fame and all that, but everybody's watching everything you do. They're watching your interactions. They're watching how you handle a customer issue or an employee issue. They listen to how you talk about other employees. Are you gossiping? Are you sharing information that's sensitive? They watch what you do and they find out, do you have character? Do you have integrity? If I, keep, if I divulge a secret to you, are you going to keep that secret? Or are you going to share it with your circle, your clique, that type of stuff? So I would foster the environment where it's okay to not be able to complete something where you learned a lesson along the way. Now, the key is, is you got to have consistent improvement though. If you want to tackle something that's very creative, Make sure that it's something that they're very passionate about, number one, we've talked about that. And number two, make sure that they understand that just continual growth is good. You're going you're gonna to have some dips, okay? You're going to fall in the ditch a few times, get back up. And I used to always ask whenever they say, oh, I'm so sorry, I made a mistake. I'm like, no, no, we're not there yet. What did you learn? Tell me what you learned from what, what didn't work out right. And as long as they learn something from that, I'm like, it's not, not a mistake anymore. Now it's a lesson. Now we can't make this same lesson over and over again. You got to learn the lesson the first or second time. But the key is, is that the employees need to feel comfortable that they can do this and express their creativity. Because I tell you something, when you have 400 people in your store and you're only one person, you're not going to have better ideas than all 400 people. It's not going to happen no matter how smart you think you are, no matter how much knowledge you have, no matter how many years of experience. I talk about in the book, five different biases when you have, you're doing performance appraisals. And one of them, one of them is called tenured biases. And these are when people have tenure with an organization or in a position and they're not receiving any more information coming from anyone. I know it all. I have confirmation bias. It's in full swing. And I'm like, I don't understand. Just because you had 10 years in this position or with this company, who's to say that you know everything? Nobody knows everything. And these people weren't approachable. They, they weren't accepting new information. And it destroyed the whole vibe in the store or in their department. So I'm really passionate about this, as you can tell. We could go on and on, but I know, I know we have time limits. So, <laughs> No, thank you for sharing, Jeffrey. I mean, more retailers could really amplify entrepreneurship yeah. opportunities. <laughs> it, it's definitely something that I'm not, I don't think I've ever experienced in an organization so much as a defined initiative. Yeah, that's, that's something that's, and you worked, you worked in retail for a while, Casey, and it's, it's prevalent through a lot of the retailers. It's, it's, it's a win-win. You can't lose with this. If, if, you, if you explain the structure, you explain the protocols, the employees have the, the support and the inclusion. They're allowed to, to, to make some errors every now and again. Again, they're not mistakes. They're only mistakes that they don't learn. But I mean, think about it. You have 400 people in your store. You could have 400 entrepreneurs. Now, granted, there's some people that have some, some outlandish ideas that just don't align with a brand or something. And you have to reel them in a little bit from time to time. I mean, but you got to remember, it's because they have that passion. And it, to me, it was, I, I, my stores were on autopilot when it came to this because people felt like they could really express their creativity. I positioned them. And this is why I always, 
I did like leaving stores after a while because I got the store running. It's in tip top shape. It's like a NASCAR. The engine's running perfect. Your, your, your times are keep getting better. It was perfectly smooth and oiled and everybody got along. And then you go to a new store and you start all over again. But that's the challenge. And I was known as a cleanup guy, a fixer. They wanted me to go into tough areas and tough stores and fix the morale. And that's the first thing I worked on is the morale of the store. Pull all the leaders aside and say, listen, guys, we, we need to make sure we're working together as one symbiotic unit. And we need to have one message. And that's we care about the employees and we got to show it. But you're right, Casey, entrepreneurship, you got to have leaders that generally care about people and they got to put their ego aside because a lot of leaders I worked with, they, they felt that if the idea didn't come from directly from them, that their employees or leaders below them were going to upstage them. And I would pull them aside and say, no, 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 you got to remember they're a, di a direct reflection of your leadership. So when they come up with great ideas, it's reflecting positively on you. So they elevate and then you get elevated because you're elevating the employees and allowing them to express their creativity. It literally is a win-win, but I've worked for some leaders that there was zero creativity allowed, zero autonomy, zero entrepreneurship. And they, I said to myself, I can't, I can't wait to be a store manager or district manager so I can finally implement the ideas that I know are successful. Like Jeff said, so they said, Jeff, what do, you, what do you love about being a leader? You know, the extra money and the stock options and the bonuses. Don't get me wrong. That's great. I'm not going to lie to you. Who doesn't like that? But to me, it was I can finally make the right decisions now to help people. And because I cared about people and I wanted them to succeed, I said, Ego, you're going to sit on the shelf for a while. You're not needed right now. This is, this is the time for the employees to shine and other leaders to show what they can do. And it never, it never failed me. Every single time, it was always a win-win. Great insights. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Wow. Jeffrey really has a powerful message to share about entrepreneurship. I know I learned something in this segment and I hope our listeners found some value too. I have to agree. And, you know, I, I'm really starting to think that our uh, Blade to Greatness segment is just becoming one of my favorite moments on the show lately. Yeah, well, I think it is. And we should move right into the amazing conversation you and Jeff Roster had with Shish Shadar at Grocery Shop before we find a way to work in some 80s pop culture references. You're not letting me get away with it again this time, are you? I'm gonna have to try harder next episode. Keep, keep it coming. <laughs> again here on day three at Grocery Shop 2023. And I'm once again here with host of This Week in Innovation, Mr. Jeff Roster. Jeff, how's the day going so far? It is going amazing. Excellent. And I can't tell you how excited I am for, is this, is this our last guest, our last interview? I think this may be our last we, one today. I think save the best for the last? We, it could be. We're, okay. we're about to find out because special treat for everyone. We have returning guest and fellow retail avenger. Mr. Shish Shridhar from Retail Lead at Microsoft for Startups is with us. Shish, how you doing? Good. Good morning. It's uh, day three at uh, Grocery Shop, and the last two days were brilliant. It's kind of winding down today. Uh, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Perfect for having this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 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 We, we do want up energy and down part of the, of the conference. Zone. That's yeah. the exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so this is actually a a uh, re, uh, reunion of the Retail Racer Clubhouse Room. Kind of, yeah. It is, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's right. That's Very right. Cool. That's right. So, so Shish, tell us what uh, what you've been seeing uh, at the show this week. So you you've had uh, a, a 
rotating set of startups in the Microsoft booth this week, right? Yep. Um, give give us your thoughts on what perspective you've seen happening at the show here from the from the startup world. Super. So uh, one of the things that we did when we picked those ten startups that we have in there is really determine what we thought would be the key topics. And when we brought them in, the conversations that the kind of percolated up with which one of the most popular ones gives me a sense of what are the topics that many of the retailers were interested in, which of those 10 that I guessed would be, would be the key ones, which one were really the ones. And I think that was really the, the insights that I got. Uh, so based on that, there was uh, three topics that uh, bubbled up. One of them uh, that everyone's getting tired of, that's uh, sucking out the, the oxygen. <laughs> there, there's, there's, two, there's two of them that one of us are getting a little bit tired of, but let's hear what yours are. Well, the one is Gen AI. Oh, I'm sure. you, you've got uh, too much about that. But, but what was interesting is it, this was where existing solutions are pivoting and making use of the Gen AI. And one example of that is Shelf analytics, nothing new. Shelf analytics has been around for a while. Right. You wouldn't even call that innovative. Yeah. But uh, they're bolting on or adding on Gen AI capabilities to it to say, if the the pictures of the shelf are being analyzed and you're looking at you know empty, uh, missing products, you're looking at mislabeled products and all of those, the intelligence on the shelf as a business user, when I use Gen AI, I'm able to now start talking to my shelf. I can use NLP to say, you know, what are the products that in a specific area that is most often out of stock? Uh, I can get information about proximity of products. I can get information about is there an issue that I'm seeing on the shelf? So as a business user, I do not have to rely on existing ports that the data team creates for me to get an understanding of what's going on. And, and that was, I would say, an interesting an aspect of the interesting way in which Gen AI is being used to take an existing solution and enhance it. We're also seeing it in, you know, standard um, vision, computer vision uh, kind of solutions, anything that is tracking what's happening in the store. Now, can we start talking to the cameras? Can we ask questions to the cameras for ad hoc things? There was a guy in a certain outfit who walked who looked suspicious. Can I ask my camera what's happening with that person right now? Is is that person still in the store? So all those ad hoc things, which would normally require a data specialist, a data scientist, to be able to query the the, the AI model, I mean the vision, um, can today be done by someone who's got absolutely no knowledge of how to query those systems. Uh, and to me, that that's opening up a new area. These complex systems can be interfaced using NLP. And to me, that, that's one of those biggest things about Gen AI, where shelf analytics, computer vision, robots that are roaming the floor, we can talk to those robots to figure out, is there a planogram issue and things like that. And, and that aspect of it was very, very fascinating to see. Many of these companies, uh, they're not basically Gen AI solutions. They are standard shelf analytic solutions, planogram solutions, which are now adding these capabilities that's enabling a lot more people to be able to, to access them. And to me, that was, that was a very interesting development on Gen AI. Um, the second one that I uh, thought was interesting 
was, again, a category that's been around for a while, meal planning. Uh, and it was surprising how many meal planning uh, solutions I kind of ran into. Uh, there was companies like, uh, for example, Seven Dish. There was companies like uh, Relish, companies like Sifter. Sifter was deployed at Walmart as well. Many of the grocers are looking at how can we help or, or get into different parts of that uh, customer journey, uh, your meal planning process itself. With ChatGPT, one of the really interesting out-of-the-box capability is I can have ChatGPT tell me, create a plan for the whole week. And also specify things like, here is my diet. This my diet. I've got a very specific diet. Give me recipes that includes breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, I can even specify, this is what I have in my pantry. I can take a picture of it and say, here's the picture. It will identify what's in there and then create a meal plan and recipes and all of that based on that. Uh, it can also create a shopping list. Now, all those inherent cap capabilities in ChatGPT is extremely fascinating. Uh, and many of the meal planning companies are taking that and saying, stick a camera in your pantry and it'll, it'll, it'll know what you have in there. Stick a camera in your refrigerator or actually take the information from your shopping list and it'll give you a plan. It'll, it'll do the shopping for you and integrated with Instacart, integrated with the grocery applications. It is getting very interesting on not about preparing your shopping list with a list, but really saying, Let's help plan your meals based on your personalized diet. And, and that is the innovation that many of these meal planning recipe companies are integrating and they're enabling grocers now to start using that Gen AI capabilities in that whole meal planning exercise that incorporates health, incorporates your current diet, number of people, all of those things. So that, that was, again, I think, very fascinating grocery plus Gen AI innovation uh, that I'm seeing out there. And I'm definitely, I, th I think we're going to see a lot more happening in that space uh, just because the capability is simplified by the underlying Gen AI capabilities and there'll be more companies doing it, more grocers getting into that space than we see today. Um, the third area that I kind of see also is around automation. Again, nothing new. Um, Automation, when I look at, you know, what are the things in the store that can be automated? Frictionless checkout has been uh, going on for a while. Has it been super successful? I would say not. Uh, one of the biggest barriers has been uh, shortage of GPUs, cost of GPUs. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I think it's, it's yeah. sort of a challenge in the industry. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm almost saying we are ripe for some kind of a disruption there disruption into into you know GPUs being the bottleneck of of having technology like this uh, going forward and being adopted the cost of it uh, we've, we've proven that the technology works but the cost doesn't at scale and uh, many of the grocers are kind of doing pilots they're doing two or three stores but they're not doing 10,000 stores that are automated uh, when we're saying automated you know the the grab and go great for uh, small format, right. smart yeah. cuts are great for big format. More convenience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and we're seeing an interest in that, but there is a bit of a slowdown just because of cost. And, and, and because it's become such a big issue, uh, going forward, I think, uh, my opinion is there is going to be a major 
disruption, the technology disruption that'll change how these things happen. Um, in terms of automation, or obviously loss prevention uh, technologies being automated, uh, shelf analytics being automated. And the most interesting thing that I saw coming up now, there's a startup that I'm working with called Vichy Robotics, which is doing shelf stock, which is mm -hmm. the most uh, resource-intensive, human resource-intensive process. Uh, they are early stage, and I think uh, you know this is an area where which is going to evolve. There's obviously going to be a lot of things that need to change in that space as these companies build the solutions. We're going to see, is, is this the best way to do it? Is there better ways we can do it? Can the stocking happen in real time during the day? Does it happen overnight? Uh, all of those kind of things. Yes, right, it, yeah. It has to yeah. be yeah. 24. It can't, exactly. It, exactly. It has to evolve. And I think the more solutions that come into the space, the companies that create it are going to get more and more competitive. Yeah. And they will yeah. be forced to say, what's the best way to make this happen? Uh, can it happen in real time, but the stock and uh, the shelves are always constantly stocked. Um, not wait till the end of the day to do the stock. Those kind of things. So we certainly will see a lot of improvements there. So over, overall, if I were to pick the top three, it would be you know uh, Gen AI being introduced into existing solutions in innovative ways. Um, I would say. Meal planning, recipe planning, getting that new infusion of technology innovation and that kind of gaining a lot more traction. Uh, and then the third one is uh, automation is still, I think, uh, more ways that automation come in would be another way that we're going to see a lot more advancement in the space. How long has Microsoft had a Microsoft for Startups program in retail? Uh, it's, it's, it's been, uh, well, in retail itself, I'd say two to a little under three years. Um, it's not been very long. Uh, we used to be very generic and uh, horizontal, but now we decided let's go vertical focus. So retail's a little over two years, short of three years. Yeah. So are you seeing, because you're, you're right at the front of innovation. I mean, if you're working with startups, by definition, you're yep. at the literally center. Are you seeing an increase in innovation? Are you seeing a flattening out? I, I assume... COVID was the big accelerant. Right. Uh, I'm seeing an increase. So um, one is COVID was an accelerant. Uh, Gen AI was an accelerant, whether you like it or not. Uh, I, I think even existing solution spaces are seeing an infusion of innovation because of that. Um, uh, so that that's uh, certainly uh, an increase there. The some of the challenges that grocery is facing today, shortage of labor, um, the inflation and costs, and, and, and the drive to figure out how do we reduce costs, I think those are the things that are driving that innovation in a way. So many of the startups that I'm working with are, are honing in on that space. How do we help operational cost of, uh, of groceries? How do we automate certain things? Uh, so those are areas they're actually focusing on. And that's what's driving. What retailer works with you and the startup community? Are they, by definition, more aggressive adopters of technology? Has that flattened out in, in the course of your, your experience with startups? It's uh, kind of mixed. Um, many of the, uh, so Kroger, for example, is one of them that's uh, very innovative, is doing a lot of innovation. Walmart, again, 
a lot of innovation happening there. Uh, it is a mix. Both, uh, most of the large grocers have innovation arms within the organization. They're doing a lot of the innovation internally. Um, they are reaching out to us typically to augment the innovation they have. Like there could be very innovative niche startups that, that are doing interesting things in very small areas. And they're seeking out partnerships with us to say, can we augment and enhance the internal innovation that we're doing with the startup innovation? So that is typically what we are saying, uh, the way we collaborate with them. But the most innovative, I would say, are the ones that have the internal innovation um, and, and, and are constantly experimenting uh, internally. Maybe half of it is failing, half of it is moving, but they're constantly doing it. So let me ask you this. I want to come back to what you said about automation. Yep. So in a lot of ways, it feels like the examples we're seeing in automation focus a lot on robotics in, in some flavor, right, yeah. right? Whether it's in-store or warehouse, fulfillment, whichever it is. I mean, is that kind of how you're tracking it and seeing it? Or are you seeing other flavors of automation in the store? I'm, I'm saying uh, uh, more than that. So uh, robotics would be one aspect of it. And e even putting in RPA as an element of, uh, okay. yeah. uh, of robotics where we are automating workflows. Uh, something missing on the shelf, kicking off a workflow that will notify uh, store associates, will automatically the reorders. Mm -hmm. All of that is one element of uh, automation as well. Um, and then we are also seeing, you know, Gen AI automating things, things like product descriptions, uh, creating very personalized offers and, and, and reacting to that. Uh, all of that, again, is, I would classify as automation. What do you think, what do you think 2024 finds us? I mean, we're clearly still in an inflationary environment. Right. Um, I've been into a few Twitter spats, um, inflation and, the rate of inflation may be decelerating. It's going back and forth, but but the impact of inflation is still here. Um, and there's no way consumer wages have caught up. Right. Um, you pick whatever percent it is. Um, it's a big. Do you think 2024 can we continue to see the the innovation cycle? Um, given that at some point even groceries are going to begin to impact feel the impact of just right. having having 20 percent less buying power. What do you what do you think? That looks like so. One, I, it, you know, the inflation is is growing, and we don't know when when that's. Good. Thank you for saying. Yeah. That. I would agree with you. I was much more politically correct to say it might or might not be, but there's no question. There's no question. Just look at the yep. numbers from this past this past. And, and I'm kind of seeing a mixed thing. One is, you know, uh, some of the grocers kind of going into the keep the lights on uh, motion. They've they've gone ahead and killed the innovation. And, and I'm seeing that. That's sadly. what worries me. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not across the board, but I've seen some from groceries actually shut down innovation and some keep on, but probably use the, the, uh, the, uh, the resources there. Uh, my personal opinion is here's an opportunity for, you know, this is a differentiation opportunity for grocers to say, these are the factors that are impacting the business. What do we need to do to be able to innovatively bring down the operational cost of the store? Uh, and, and that is one element that many of the grocers can focus on to say the costs are going up. Uh, and there is ways in which there's innovative technology that could, that could change the way we business. I wouldn't even say 
Uh, there is very small things that we can do. There could be major business model changes that we could do to, to change the way we operate. Uh, one example of that innovation happening around dark stores. Uh, there is a startup I'm working with called One M Robotics that actually has a container that can be deployed in close proximity to to the shoppers. And there is no human in there. There's a pick and pack robotics. There's a window, and and shoppers can walk up to to container and be able to buy. So it is reducing the overall cost. The cost of shopping for a shop is reduced because it is in close proximity. Um, and and those kind of things, I think the innovations in that space really thinking the space. Those are areas or opportunities that grocers have if they continue along the path of innovation and they can differentiate and, and be the leaders uh, going forward rather than make very minor tweaks and say, let's add frictionless shopping. That's not the answer. It's really figuring out, is there bigger ways? Is there a way to reimagine and reinvent how this is done? Um, and and, and th- those are the opportunities that they give up. In, in saying, let's discontinue the innovation and just keep the lights on and keep going and crash and burn. What are the warning signs that I should be looking for in 2024? It's, I mean, to, to make sure or to see whether, you know, the accelerant or decelerant towards innovation in, kicks off. Uh, Your tweet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I follow you very closely to get to try to read the tea leaves, but I mean, what would be the warning signs? Well, one is, uh, I, th- I think keeping, keeping a watch on the landscape and, you know, because there is innovative things happening around the world. Uh, one of the things that, uh, while over the last couple of years that was interesting for me was I was working with this sea store chain in, in Poland, which was doing amazing things that nobody knew anything about. And, uh, we brought that out and, and, and amplified it. And then the rest of the world started learning from what they were doing. Uh, their huge challenge was, uh, the government said, you can't operate a business on Sunday. You can't have people working on a Sunday. And they went into automation. They said, let's work around this problem. Let's mm. have the store operate oh. by itself. There's going to be people. no people. Yeah. Uh, so, which was kind of an interesting story. Uh, to me, you know, really keeping a watch on, on retailers that you've never heard of, but they might be doing some interesting things, but it, it's That's happening a in a little vacuum. That might right. be a right. way. Because no one's watching them. Exactly. So they, they almost have a freedom yep. to do other things because no one's paying attention yet. Exactly. And, and learning from that, you know, that's where I look at, you know, grocery shop and NRF and all of that, where I say, these stories, the best practices come out, mm-hmm. these media and social media and your blog posts and, and podcasts and all of those, those areas where I think we get to talk to, interview something, uh, uh, retailers that are doing interesting things and learn from them and then say what works, what doesn't and be able to adopt it there. I think uh, keeping a constant watch, having the ability to constantly absorb what's going on and, and adopt it very quickly might be uh, not be, not doing any of that is a sign of danger right there. One thing that's uh, really clear when you look at... Uh the speakers here is a much more, in my in my opinion, much more of a freedom of retailers to talk about what they're doing with right. innovation versus when I started at Gartner in two thousand or nineteen ninety nine, where mm-hmm. literally you couldn't get nobody a would talk, to talk about, about it about anything because everything was competitive advantage. Right. Advantage. 
I couldn't bring my MBA class to my Mervis Distribution <laughs> Center in 1996. Exactly. Because we apparently laid out conveyor belt at some different way. Right. And, and, and that's obviously that's a silly example, but that just shows you no, at that time, no retailer wanted to. And I always said it made it, you know, felt it made it harder to recruit into retail because, yeah. um, the industry didn't have the reputation inside Gardner at the time. I mean, no one looked to retail for anything yeah. in it. It was always financial services. Why? Well, because they were always talking. Exactly. And I said, I'm going, I think we're doing really innovative things, but nobody would say it. And yep. that's different. I mean, that's a massive difference, you know, today versus it was, um, back then. So I think that's a, that's a solid thing. I also wonder if it's the fact that, that executives are now, you know, 20 years, right. We're 20 years down the road where they're, far more comfortable talking about how and want to be perceived as good users of technology. I would Ulta Cosmetics wants to be perceived as a yeah. good user of technology. Everyone, you know, knows the Walmart story. Everyone yeah. knows Amazon story, but there's a lot of uh, tractor right. supply. I mean, more and more and more. Hey, you know what? We want to be perceived because we think that's going to help us recruit talent, which it, which it, it is true. Which is true. And that's which a big deal. Exactly. And one of the big things I'm seeing now, you know, Web3, NFTs, nobody wants to touch it. Right. And at the same time, they're going, yeah. well, Starbucks is, is doing this massive experiment yeah. with NFTs and Web3 right. and Honestly. all kind of watching that and learning from that. That is, you know, the it's sort of a community move in a way where we're going, you know, there's many, many of the retailers are doing innovative things in their own way in different areas. And the rest are kind of watching and learning from that. And, and that is happening in the industry as a whole, but there's different experiments but done by different retailers and the NFT one, Starbucks, <laughs> but the rest yeah. is going to look and they are. Well, and that kind of go- kicks back to my old gardener days with the hype cycle. There's yeah. nothing wrong with the trough of disillusionment. Yeah. I mean, that's where, that's well, you where, have to go through it. That's where technology right. goes. I mean, that's the match. That's the teenage years of a piece of technology. So, you know, we, we everyone screams, oh, it's over, you know, peak of inflated expectations. Okay, fine. But it has to go down, and then right. there it either rises or it leaves the scene. Right. And so there's nothing wrong with that. And you know, what I don't want to see happen are people in my line of work, you know, the influencer community, make fun of 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 experiments. Yep, absolutely. Um, and we don't want to we don't want to send that message. Exactly. And we want people to because the NFT scenario. I mean, I can find plenty of folks that are that are you know overhyped it, and then now are are quick to throw you know dirt on the on the grave. But it's you know there's value there in the right scenario yep, for exactly. the right people. And let's figure out what works and what doesn't. And let's encourage, please, let's encourage retailers to experiment and to be innovative yeah. and not penalize. Um, exactly. For yeah, and I totally agree with that. It's like. These are the ones that are going to move the needle on innovation. They are taking that risk. They're going forward and making it happen. And the rest of the industry follows right after. So, absolutely. Interesting. Yeah, no, that's very true. That's very true. At least if, if anything, again, there, there's, you know, the evolution of this is that now you have the willingness to realize that not everything you innovate on is going to be successful. But if you don't try it, you won't know whether it's going to be a successful thing or something that doesn't really move the needle, doesn't do anything for you, you just have to discard it. I mean, there's But not, you have to find out. There's not a successful uh, entrepreneur that hasn't, cr- I mean, I don't think there's one that I've ever yeah. talked to or ever read about that hasn't crashed and burned at least one to two right. times exactly. before right. they before finally the big hit, hit. big. Yeah. Everyone right. wants yeah. to be, you know, the 30-year-old, you know, multimillionaire slash billionaire, but that person yeah. went through one, two, three, four crash exactly. and burns. Exactly. Um, yeah. So we honor that 
that person, but yet, you know, we don't want to really realize that the effort it took to get there. And for some reason, you know, we, we, you know, retailers have to have to do the same thing. So we want to encourage that. We want to, you know, we want to make sure we're oh, it's supporting probably too strong, but we want to um, not mock experiments that, that didn't work out. Yeah. Right. 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 A failure. We're one, one step closer to actually hitting it out of the park. So let's keep going. Yep. And to me, it's fascinating. I collect those stories. I, I, I love off them. I look at what a retail is doing. I, I look at loaves all the time. They are doing mm. really yeah. amazing things. Yeah. They've experimented with everything. Augmented reality, digital twins, NFTs, blockchain, the works. So keeping a watch on that helps me understand what works. What are the use cases that really work? And, and I think that would be something most retailers do today, really use the entire industry and different retailers are trying different things and we can learn. Shish, where do you think the, uh, I mean, we're at the end last day here of grocery shop, right? So lots of, we've gone through all these trends. We've got, it's late September, so we got, you know, not even four months to NRF, right? And then a couple months after that, there's a next big event will be shop talk. So there's a six month period, right? Where there's a lot of activity. I'd say for, for event wise in the industry for, 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 for tech companies and startups to show what they're doing and what's happening for retailers to investigate. What, where do you think this is going? I mean, in, in not even necessarily just grocery, but what are you seeing across the next six months? So one of the, you know, the thing that I've been trying to think about is this time last year, Gen AI was an unknown word. That's right. Yeah. Most people. That's and right. uh, yeah. now the pace at which it went, I think the, the biggest thing that's unprecedented has been the pace of change. And over the next six months, I kind of think there is going to be, and, and I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say Jenny, I would say AI driving a lot of other things is going to be the biggest thing to look for over the next six months. There's going to be innovations that are happening that's faster than it's ever happened. And, uh, the, from a, from a grocery perspective, the thing that, you know, I think of is if, if I were to look at two different spectrums, you have the personalized specialty, uh, shopping area and then the convenience shopping, uh, which is express and it's trying to get seamless and all right, of that. Right. Is there, my question is, is there going to be an accelerated pace at which we go towards that seamless shopping? The innovations that are happening where grocery will, for the most part, not all of it, but a large part of the grocery will be happening automatically, uh, is what I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking the direction will be. And, and I'm making a very general statement where all of the technology, the automation, the subscriptions, all of those things, uh, where the store is no longer the most important thing, it will still be there. There'll be certain elements that you actually go into the store to buy. But that will change dramatically. Wonder if that's a good thing or a bad thing. And it's probably, and probably the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, I was going to so say I think the answer I'm is the, yes. Yeah, I'm the absolute outlier. Um, right. As as I, we've already figured out on multiple pod, I uh, I want to go to the store. Right. I like going to the store. Yeah. I want to talk to my butcher. I want to touch everything. That being said, I automated two subscriptions this morning for uh, products that that are, that are important to to what I'm doing. Right. So, um, you know, the far outlier. Right. <laughs> 
has a actually significant amount of my perk my uh my my food uh my food budget uh is automated subscriptions because it's you know right. certain health stuff it's uh and there's it's, a, it's a quite a sign to what you're saying and there's some some kind of shopping obviously the specialty like for example i know you love absolutely love cameras you would <laughs> don't tell my wife that <laughs> You would they're want tools, to give that they're out, tools, but. they're tools that they're, they're, they're a piece of technology that <laughs> professional I use tools. To, professional tools, no joy, joy yep. there whatsoever. So, so that going more personalized and more immersive and most experiential is something you definitely look forward to having experienced. You don't want that to be that seamless. Your, your lens would automatically show up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We might go into yeah. marriage council and the will be showing up right after the, the lens showed up. No, that's still, I think, you know, you're, you're spot on. I mean, you just, just go look at B&H Photo in New yeah. York, right, you know, at NRF, and that's still an amazingly tactical, tactile experience that looked pretty much like it did in 1950 or 60 because right. it is an expert and it is a piece of technology and it is a consumer. And the tween meet together. Definitely, you know, the journey starts online. I right. mean, they've done a ton with video conferencing now as far as, you know, engagement and uh, gosh, who knows what AI is going to do because, because if there's one purchase, I mean, you're, you're a sailor. So when you do buy probably even a piece of rope, you've right. probably spent, you know, hours <laughs> researching which rope right. you want to use. And I'm not even, I'm not even joking. That's not I, an exaggeration. That's yeah. not an exaggeration. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. you know, yep. these, these amazingly intense personal purchases that yep. we use are, are going to be, you know, are going to have massive amounts of input um, to to help me, help us make these things. So, you know, even even something as you know as amazingly personal as that is going to have a massive wave of of exactly. input. And I'm seeing that in the startup world. You know, the immersive capabilities of getting deeper and deeper, making it better. So, on that end, we're going to see more of that. And then, you know, how do we make it seamless on the grocery end? Not completely, but getting there. I think. Uh, those are things I think over the next six months we're going to see more, more often. I yeah, think, I think your call out, your second driver about bringing AI into food and food selection. Um, since the last time we talked, I mean, I got serious about carbs and sugar, and now I am a nutcase about right. that. <laughs> and and uh, I'm reading every, you know, I'm reading every every label. But right. you know, now that I figured out, okay, I actually I don't have to even go mm -hmm. and I just I could just go the, the perimeter. Um, but boy, I know I'm not alone in that regards and so so bringing those tools to help us figure out you know whatever your food limitations are yep. and just automating that shopping list i mean right. the instacart um, exhibit here is phenomenal and exactly. it's it's nascent but it's mm -hmm. phenomenal okay here you know i did have to laugh at their example it's a, a, a low sugar uh, dessert uh no those two, those three words do not go together okay there's yep. no yeah. such thing um, but anyway, it just the ability to do that is just going to be so important. And then yeah. when you start tying that into, you know, my Apple watch and, the, and my yeah. heart rate and my analysis of right. my, it's just, it's going to be, it's going to be phenomenal. I think, um, and I think people are going to want that. I mean, exactly. that's one thing we've learned through, you know, three years of COVID that, you know, health, you can drive, you can control your health and you're going to want to do that. So all these tools are going to come together and then what retailers do with them is going to be very, very interesting. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. So definitely a very interesting picture ahead of us for those six months. It'll be super interesting to see what, uh, what the next show has to offer, what everybody's showing off and talking about. And, um, you know, if we had been here this time last year, I don't think none of us would have predicted that we'd be sitting the next time talking about how Gen AI was the, the end all trend that was immersed in everything. Well, 
<laughs> when did you two get word that that Microsoft was going to unleash this uh, this exposure to ChatGPT? I mean, did you have any heads up, or did you, was it just like the rest of us, where all of a sudden one day, what's this new tool? I would say to me, it was like the rest the rest of the world. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. We saw the investment into OpenAI, right? Both right. Not, right. Not the tool, but not the outcome. Yeah, exactly. Not the output. Yeah, the output was, uh, say, the rest of the world, just wow. like everybody else. Yeah. Wow, that was right. Been a yeah. Crazy <laughs> couple of days on the campus, I would think. <laughs> yep. Wow. Okay. Yep. Yep. And it's uh, I don't know. In some ways, I'd say it, that that is it's still it's still going. <laughs> I mean, there, yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about it. All all my partners are, are deep immersed in this. Absolutely. Well, we'll have to see then what happens uh, the next time we sit down to talk about this and see if these same trends are still going on and figure out what's changed. Which will be sunny New York City, I'm assuming. I imagine, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> Lots of plans uh, for what's going to be happening at NRF, um, for sure, with, with some of the some of the podcast folks. So stay tuned on that. Stay so tuned for that. That's right. What's coming. Yeah, that's right. Well, Shish, thanks for sitting down with us. This has been a great uh, Retail Avengers reunion, so to speak. <laughs> Thank you. This has been a great conversation. Uh, I love Absolutely. the love the back and forth. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks. So, Jeff, I think this uh, wraps up our grocery shop tour. This wraps this up year. our podcast grocery. We do have to do at least one go live at some point. Yep. Before yeah. the day is over. Yeah, so it hopefully, might be while it's... I'm watching the San Francisco 49ers trump <laughs> the New York Giants tonight. <laughs> We'll see. So by the time yeah, anyone's know, actually listening to this I'll podcast, be, I'll either be appreciate or like, yeah, people are either going to be um, cheering you on and say yes, or they're going to be laughing at and you. Jack. The answer will be yes to that. <laughs> so I can't Very wait cool. to get to see the the feedback on this episode on, on that part for sure. Absolutely. For sure. <laughs> All right. Well, Shish, thanks again. And Thank this you has very been much. great. Thank see you. ya. enjoyed our show, please consider giving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Remember to smash that subscribe button in your favorite podcast player or watch us on YouTube so you don't miss a minute. If you want to know more about what we talked about today, take a look at our show notes for handy links and more deets. If you haven't tried the Good Pods player yet, give them a spin and follow our show. We recently hit the top of the charts in indie management and marketing podcasts. We love meeting the Good Pods fans. I'm your co-host, Casey Golden. And if you'd like to connect with us and share your feedback, follow us and the show on Twitter at KCC Golden, Ricardo underscore Belmar, and at Retail Razor, or find us on LinkedIn. And if you want even more from us, please subscribe to our Substack newsletter that includes full episode transcripts and some bonus content. I'm your host, Ricardo Belmar. Thanks for joining us. And remember, there's never been a better time to be in retail if you cut through the clutter. Until next time, this is the Retail Razor Show.